With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Farhana Rahman. Farhana has represented tech startups for over 10 years as a PR and digital marketing professional. Farhana, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Oh, God, I got started over a decade ago. I, I was originally in PR, but that was around the recession of like 2008, right? So companies were hiring me to simply announce that they were closing. And that was just re looking really bad for me <laughs> as a you know newbie in the workforce. So um, my mentor, Hillel Fold, tech influencer, Hillel Fold, he took me under his wing and he basically taught me to delve into online marketing and never look back. And sure enough, that's what I've done. And it's just been an amazing ride since then. I prefer it. All right. So let's dive in a little deeper to that because that's 10 years is a long time. Um, so talk about, so you were covering companies that were closing, which obviously is not a whole lot of fun if you're always reporting bad news. Um, how did you develop the relationship with your mentor in the first place? You know, I won the lottery there, to be honest. So while I was in transition from one closing company to another, right, um, I had joined Twitter and it was still a relatively new platform at the time. And he was just one of my first new followers, first few new followers. And it was just amazing because I saw like, okay, I mean, obviously you noticed your first followers on a platform. And so I got the notification that he followed me and I saw in his bio that he writes for all these publications that I found, you know, amazing business, Insider, NextWeb, um, Mashable. And I messaged him and I was like, oh my God, you're exactly all the things I want to be when I grow up. And... Uh, you know, I guess, I guess it was the right place at the right time kind of thing. I mean, he was a rising star at the moment, but I guess he had time to take on a little puppy and he trained me. That is fantastic. And then uh, how did you go from that 
to writing for numerous different publications? Oh, wow. So, so during, through the course of my career, I, I ended up writing for so many uh, companies and many of their executives. And while ghostwriting for executives, I mean, you know, connections just kind of happen on the down low, right? I mean, you're ghostwriting and um, people are like, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy, but in this case, it was a woman. And um, so one thing would lead to another. And ultimately, the opportunity presented itself time and time again to write for different publications instead of being a ghostwriter to actually have it be you know me my name spotlight on me and like suddenly it's it's interesting because you know that quote um about shoemakers the shoemakers kid yes yeah so I find it more difficult to write for myself than when I have to write for someone else because when I write for someone else it's like okay I'm just going to take on an acting role and mimic them but when it's me, it's like, oh, pressure's on. Absolutely. That makes total sense. Uh, so talk a little bit about, um, you've written some amazing columns about various different industries. Um, what have been some of your favorite? Um, in terms of content? Yeah. Things that you've written about, things, stories you've covered, companies you've gotten to do. Oh, so I mean, I've written I've written a lot of industry specific pieces, such as um, blockchain, edtech, medtech, uh, DeFi, so many industries because that's just been what my career has. That's what my career has been like over the years. I mean, just bouncing from one industry to another, agriculture, um, ag uh, architecture. I mean, just so many um, paths. But what I find most enjoyable is to write content that simply revolves around the basic fundamentals of marketing, but not in a way that we see 10,000 articles of in the first place. I try to provide tons of actionable insights and um, appeal to people who, who, are, who basically don't have connections. So I just try to go back to where I was before Hillel took me under his wing. And be like, okay, if I was just back in that place and did not win the lottery of Hillel taking me under his wing, what would I have had to do, you know, considering all that I know now? So I like to provide insights for people that don't have connections, truly do not know where to start. People that are very young and don't have experience under their belt, what are their first steps or their next steps? So th that's what I like to do. That makes a lot of sense. You cover a whole lot of different industries and a whole lot of different business and technology trends. Um, how do you stay on top of it all? You know, it's a lot of, um, so because I've, because I've worked with a lot of different industries over the years, uh, each time I had to really immerse myself, right? Because, because I knew that I would eventually have to write for um, these industries and I can't let the audience, you know, figure that, okay, I'm an amateur. So I have to sound like an absolute thought leader each time. So I became kind of a bit of an expert on um, quickly, quickly mastering um, different industries. And I guess, I guess it just kind of um, really exercised the short term memory bit of the brain there. Absolutely. And, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive into a couple of them that are relevant to our listeners. Um, you wrote an article for entrepreneur.com about how to start a, start a podcast, how to keep it going, 
um, how to make it successful. I believe that was back in January. Uh, what inspired you to want to start writing about podcasting? So it's interesting. I was, um, first of all, it was kind of fresh in my mind because that was exactly when the clubhouse craze started. But I knew I also didn't want to write about Clubhouse because it was just kind of annoying for me to keep seeing it on my feeds. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I mean, you know, I don't know if, if, if Clubhouse would really stick around in the long term. So let me just think of something that's more evergreen. I'm really big on creating evergreen content. And I figured, you know what, podcasting is it. Let me do something on podcasting. But, you know, that also kind of got on the in the back burner because... Um, work and life and stuff. But then I saw um, the podcasters of uh, Behind Review Review. It's a very cute podcast that um, by the people behind College Humor. And um, they, they posted something on social, basically saying that they are looking to reach out to a bigger audience. And if anyone has any press contacts, blah, blah, so. So basically I was like thinking, okay, you know what? This just like kind of nudged my mind again. Like, okay, here are some podcasters that need some more exposure. And like, um, and, I, and I wanted to write about podcasting anyway. So my brother actually made the connection to them and I interviewed them, added some of my own insights and ended up with a piece that did remarkably well. I mean, I knew that people would be interested on, you know, with insights on how to um, do well in the podcasting realm, especially from established podcasters that are, that are rocking it. But I did not think that it would get this many shares. It was, it was in the like tens of thousands and within a matter of, um, within the first month. Yeah, that's a, absolutely fantastic. What do you like best about the podcasting space? What, uh, and what shows do you listen to, if any? I don't listen to any shows religiously. I have a bunch of marketing friends that are constantly releasing content. So when it appears on my feed, I just like, you know, quickly give them a view or a listen or whatever. But um, I'm sorry, what was the original question? Um, what do you like best about the world of oh, yes. podcasting? So um, what I love best about the world of podcasting is that not everyone is comfortable to be on camera. A lot of people are not comfortable to be on camera, but Everyone has a story. Everyone has something to say. Everyone has insights to share. So it's just so much more accessible for a lot of people in that sense. And I used to, um, I used to actually work for a company that was in the podcasting space years ago, now defunct. But one thing that I loved about it, which I didn't think would, I mean, it was, it wasn't something that crossed my mind was that it was just so much more accessible for um, for people who are blind, hard of you know hearing. They like they would find ways to get into that, and it was just um, it was just really fascinating for me. Like, okay, this really just spreads in in a unique way. Absolutely. You've also uh, written about some other fascinating industries. You've written about uh, one of the which is about blockchain um, and the SEC launching their uh, cryptocurrency office. For our folks who are watching um, who don't necessarily know, what is blockchain and why is it so hot now? Where do I begin? It's like you need a whiteboard to explain that, right? Just a little bit. Okay, it's, it's a different form of financing. 
no intermediaries. You you wouldn't need you know no third parties, no banks. Um, you you wouldn't. Oh boy, how do, how do I? <laughs> so blockchain is um, is a way to do financing on a. It's like now I'd have to explain what a ledger is. It's it's an alternate form of financing, which is completely digital. Banks aren't involved. Governments aren't involved. It's all power to the people. Everything is tied to digital currencies. Transactions are done instantly. Um, I believe it is, you know, not at the moment, not so much as regulated as everything else. It's outside the normal, like Bitcoin is outside the normal U.S. currency system. It is, it is its own. I mean, governments are not involved. Banks are not involved. It's all, it's all to the people. Um, one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why it fares so well, at least on a global level, is because people who don't have access to bank accounts, they are able to have digital identities and take part in it. And um, I believe, I forgot what the number is. I think it's like 1.2 billion adults or something worldwide who simply are not able to have bank accounts because they don't have uh, physical forms of identity, like you know, ID cards, passports and whatnot. But through blockchain, they are able to actually have businesses. They are able to um, embark in entrepreneurship take part in transactions that are international without having to worry about the other costs that would traditionally be associated with it with um, in the traditional sense. Why do you think it's become so popular? You know, I, um, so when I have to write about it, I write about it. Um, but me personally, I'm kind of, I'm always surprised because I see, I see the great use cases for it. But then, you know, whenever there are hacks it's concerning and by nature blockchain is supposed to be just so you know ironclad transparency is key and um but you know every now and then there are some there's some bad news that get, gets out there i mean even binance was hacked and so that's concerning and even with considering all that it's still on the rise the it's quickly becoming mainstream far more mainstream than i would have expected it to be i think I think it's a lot of people who are just kind of experimenting with it at first and then seeing its power and potential and um, just taking it from there. Absolutely. Um, one, other, one other article you wrote that I really loved was seven ways to make your non-essential COVID term business recession proof. Obviously, you want people to go read your writing. Can you give us just one or two? Can you talk about one or two of those ways that you recommended? Because I think they'd be really helpful to our audience. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I remember at the time, I mean, COVID was still, I mean, I drafted the article way before it actually got approved and published on, on Entrepreneur. And um, that was when the pandemic was still like new. <laughs> and and I remember writing it thinking like, okay, let me write something that's COVID related. But then I was like, no, 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 wait a second. Evergreen, that's my main focus. So maybe not so much COVID, more so recession and just how to make, make sure your business is fluid and able to last longer. I was, um, I put a lot of fundamentals in there to just to just help promote the longevity of businesses and any kind of business. So flexibility is definitely key. 
uh, the um, ability to market yourself properly and in different ways on different channels is key. I mean, it's, it helps you stay relevant. It's, I mean, I understand why so many businesses earlier on in the pandemic ended up um, just dismissing uh, marketing efforts and advertising efforts in an, to save costs, to put, put those funds saved towards operational costs. And it's understandable. I understand that. But at the same time, you would also want to maintain some type of relevancy, um, not make your business look like a ghost house by being inactive across all social channels. It, it just doesn't give off the best vibes by just continuously being out there, continuously showing that you're active, you're here, you're flexible, you understand what's going on in the current climate, you're adjusting accordingly. It, um, it just keeps you on top of people's minds. I think that makes a lot of sense and is very valuable. Some very valuable insights you've gleaned from working with all kinds of different industries. What other outlets do you write for besides Entrepreneur now? So there's Entrepreneur, there's Times of Israel. I started Thrive recently. Um, I don't know, does LinkedIn Pulse even count? I don't know if that even counts, <laughs> but it's there. You know what's interesting? I, I always tell people this, like uh, people who are new in marketing, LinkedIn Pulse doesn't really get a lot of credit. Oftentimes I get a lot more numbers, a lot more views and shares on LinkedIn Pulse than I would on any other network, including the, the big guys. So it's like, I, I, think, I think LinkedIn is just better with... Um, and I don't have a lot of connections on LinkedIn, mind you. So it's just, it's just really interesting. Um, I think LinkedIn is just better with sharing content, letting it appear on top of people's news feeds, and um, just giving content visibility without even mar minimal marketing efforts on my end. Absolutely. I think that we've, we've, we've seen great traction on LinkedIn Pulse as well. Um, what do you like best about what you do? It's just a happy space overall, online marketing. The vibes are just always positive. Um, with PR, that wasn't always the case. Damage control was a major thing. Um, but with online marketing, it's just, okay, happy, new product, new service, new team member, um, new launch. So let's talk about this happy new thing we're doing. Uh, so it's just always happy, positive vibes. And um, interactions for the most part, I mean, at least in all the spaces I've worked in, I mean, it, they've just always been about, it's just, it has always been about just starting conversations enthusiastically, getting people genuinely interested in what a product is because it's not sales. So I'm not having to really force anyone to do anything or expect anyone to do anything. It's just, hey, here's some interesting content. Do with it what you will. Want to have a conversation? So it's really just about making a lot of friends and just hoping to plant a little seed of interest to help spark a sense of self-discovery and um, entice people to learn more about your product or service on their own independently without telling them. That makes a lot of sense. With all of the companies that you've written about um, and all of the adversities that you've seen them go through, what do you think are some of the more important lessons you've learned along the way? In terms of overcoming challenges? Yeah, absolutely. There, there, I've, I've, so I've seen some leaders that handled tough times very well and ones that did so less well. <laughs> and what I found was best was when um, 
when the le when company leaders and team leaders when they would just be upfront with their staff and transparent about challenges that the company is facing or about to face in a very honest way and i noticed that when they do so employees would really it's just human nature when you see a fellow brethren down it, it, employees would genuinely try to go above and beyond to try to help through that situation in their own unique way. That's a great lesson for our, we know your time's incredibly valuable for our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you and follow your writings. Where is the best place for us to send them? I would say my Twitter probably. Um, I, I don't, I don't promote, I don't, I don't talk about myself all that much. Um, but on Twitter, I would, I probably do so more than other networks, more than LinkedIn even, uh, just because it's just quick and I just try to mask it with other things too. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm not, I'm not the best, I don't market myself. I market companies very well, but somehow just through word of mouth, thing, things have fared really well for me, but my Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Farhana Rahman, no spaces, nothing. All right. Well, this has been Seth Green with Farhana Rahman. We'll send everybody to check out your Twitter and follow the articles that you write. Farhana, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.